am so excited to welcome you to the first episode of Big Fish Little Pod, a new podcast with Bob Hollis. If you don't already know, Bob Hollis is actually my dad, and this podcast was really inspired by the conversations he and I get to have each week. I so enjoyed what he had to say, and I thought you all might like to hear from him too, so that's how we ended up here. Dad really wants Big Fish Little Pod to be an interactive experience where you're not just hearing what he has to say, but also sharing your responses and reflections. So I'll get more into how you can do that at the end of the podcast. Um, we've actually been working on this podcast for a few months. Um, each week we've been picking a new topic and diving into how it affects us. And rather than starting with an introductory episode, we're just going to go ahead and throw you in the deep end with one of our first conversations. So this first episode is about what each of us has to offer to the world and how stifling that unique ability can be a disservice to our community. The conversation actually begins with my dad talking about Martin Luther King Jr. and the impact of his character and character flaws on dad's life. So thank you so much for tuning in to Big Fish Little Pod. Enjoy listening to one of my most favorite people, Bob Hollis. So you may be surprised that, uh, that Amy's voice is the first one you heard um, <laughs> since you thought this was my podcast. But... Uh, Amy and I have been doing Bible study for like two years and the questions that have been raised and the interactions that have been been shared and the thoughts that just pop up in the middle of us talking and the challenges that have come to both of us in our in our spiritual lives and our practical lives uh, have just been I think for both of us, highlights of our week. Um, and so I wanted Amy to be a part of this um, because one, just who she is and how much I love her. Um, and two, the, the wisdom that she brings in the questions that she shares. And three, as, a, as an understanding and an invitation to you that we want you to be a part of this as well. And so I kind of wanted to start there. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was a big part of my spiritual and community development. Um, we actually put up walkers from the Hunger Walk that King organized as as they came through Norfolk, Virginia. And as a 12-year-old that, or 10-year-old, I guess I was, that caught my attention and made me focus on this celebrity that, that had come through town. And um, I ended up devouring much of what he wrote and and all of his speeches and and just set my my life on on that path of saying 
I have something to say and I'm going to say it in this world. And Martin Luther King Jr. became my idol of that, of, of saying we need to look around and see what's going on in the world and stand up for what is right and say what God is leading us to say and do what God is leading us to do. And that all really did inspire me so that in college and in seminary, um, I wrote papers about King and, and tried, you know, my mom took us to the early Martin Luther King breakfasts and, and, and I, I took in as much as I could about who I believe this man was a, a man who just lived the Christian life the way it was supposed to be lived. And then I found out that he had affairs. And the bottom of my adoration just dropped out. Um, and, and I was devastated that this man that I held in such high esteem was so human and, and actually hurt the people that he loved the most. And that broke my heart. But in my spiritual development, in my growth, in my life, I had already found that people I loved had failed in many different ways. Some were alcoholics, some were just liars, some were arrogant, um, some had affairs, um, and some were prejudiced. And, and that led me to look back at the scripture, and there in the scripture we find David the 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 man that god said was a man after his own heart who obviously had trouble with voyeurism and lust and he committed adultery and he lied and he even engaged in in murder and when we look at the scriptures, then we find Peter, who was so impulsive, he jumped over the side of a boat. And Paul, who started his spiritual life in the absolute wrong direction, thinking that he was doing the right thing. And, you know, when we look closer, we find Noah, who who drank too much, and Gideon, who was so insecure, he had to constantly get signs from God. And, and we find Martha, who was so wrapped up in, in making sure everything was right that she forgot to just sit down and be with Jesus. And, and Mary, who so wanted to just sit and be with Jesus that she wouldn't do anything to help her sister. And we find that that the scriptures 
are, are filled with human people that at times let the presence of God into their lives and out through their lives and do incredible things. Which leads to that quote that I just saw on Facebook again yesterday that God doesn't call the qualified but qualifies the called. It's interesting because as you're talking about <laughs> Martin Luther King, I I feel that way about you. And I think that, you know, everybody has those moments when they, they always say like they realize that their parents are just people, you know. Or, I mean, I spend a lot of time in the yoga community, and there's also, like, a lot of gurus that they say have fallen down. Like, you know, they find out, have, yeah, made major mistakes, right. and um, they led whole groups of people, and now they've really disappointed them, you right. know? Right. And so I think there is kind of this idea that we are all human, and so people who you admire or you look up to, especially when God is involved or spirituality is involved, moral values are involved, you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop a little, you know? Yep. Um, but it's interesting because I really, yeah, hearing you talk about Martin Luther King, I, I feel very similar in how I feel about you. And yet I don't feel like you have greatly disappointed me. And I, I remember even telling you, <laughs> that I was talking with a former boss about you, and at one point she said, like, wow, I just really want to meet your dad. He just sounds like the most amazing person. <laughs> and I said to her, oh, no, 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 he's deeply flawed. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I remember when I told you later, you said, I don't know say deeply flawed. <laughs> But that's it. That's... Yeah, like, it's like, it's interesting the idea, like, hearing you talk about Martin Luther King and then feeling that in my relationship with you. I wonder how Martin Luther King felt about himself or about how his family felt about him. Because you put him on a pedestal and then you watched him fall from that pedestal. Right. When you learned more about him. Right. 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 And I think that one of the advantages for me in my relationship with you is I don't, I never had a moment where you were on the pedestal and then you fell off the pedestal because I think I always understood from childhood that you were an amazing, if not the perfect mentor for me, like designed by God for me, but you also were flawed. So for me, it was both simultaneously all the time. Yeah. I have always hoped that that's the message that I've shared with people from the pulpit or from meetings at church or in my life. That God can take this deeply flawed individual and do something good. Two things that have I've always carried with me. I learned the story of Balaam's donkey early on in my Bible study. And of who? Balaam and his Balaam. donkey. He's a prophet from the Old Testament. 
he was off to he was kind of like Jonah. He was going to avoid doing what God wanted him to do. And so he was heading somewhere else other than God wanted him to head. And yeah. on this path, an angel appeared with a flaming sword blocking the way. And it seems like ready to kill whoever went that way. And mm-hmm. the donkey that Balaam was riding on turned to the side of the road. And Balaam yelled at it and pulled him back onto the side of the road and and tried to get him to move forward. And the donkey moved again. And, like, there was a ledge, uh, uh, I mean, a, a, a rock wall. And so he actually squished his leg against the rock wall. And, and Balaam got mad and, and was about ready to beat the donkey when the angels came visible to, to Balaam. The donkey spoke, and the donkey said something like, if I had gone the direction you wanted me to go, this angel would have cut your head off. (laughs) And Balaam all of a sudden could see. And the message that I've always took from that was, if God could use a donkey, Mm -hmm. then he could surely use a donkey like me. <laughs> yeah. And so in the yeah. times when I've seen my flaws, I always remember that. Yeah. That that even though I'm I obviously have a trouble with with controlling what I eat. I obviously have a temper that that is a lot better than it used to be, but still sometimes comes out. Even though I can give you a much bigger list of my flaws than I can the things that I do well, God can still use me. Because all I have to do is let God do that. I'm just thinking as you say it that it has never occurred to me before. Like, I've, I've heard what you're saying now, like, I've gotten that before, the idea that that God can use flawed people, right? That yeah. he, he, got, he has to. That's the only choice, right? <laughs> right. Um, so, obviously, that is true, that God can use us even if we're flawed. I think the thing that never occurred to me before is that it's a disservice to one another, especially if you're in a place of spiritual leadership. But even if you're not, it's a disservice to one another to not be clear about the fact that we are flawed and we're being used by God. It never occurred to me how important it was to be open about the fact that we're flawed in order to prevent that falling from the pedestal idea and that it's just so much more in service to others that you are open about the fact that you're flawed and you're open about the fact that you're trying to dedicate your life to God's service than if you presented yourself in a really clean, perfect way. Like... It's, it's almost better that you lose your temper sometimes and people see it than that you're, you have a temper, but you're controlled enough to hide it. 
Right. I mean, that's the best case scenario would be that you have worked through it and don't have a temper at all. But yeah, but that if you do have those things, maybe you don't yell at somebody, but you share a story with somebody about how you lost your temper right. or whatever that you're open about your flaws. And I and I guess I never got before because I know from the pulpit you always say like we and I and you're always sharing it from your perspective that you're also struggling, but I don't think I ever really got how important that is for others to see. Some people don't like that. Yeah. I've had people that have not wanted me to do that through years because they want a leader who is flawless. Yeah. You know, and you see them on TV all the time. Right. And then you see stories of how they fall (laughs) you know I guess if you're a reader somebody Mm -hmm. who puts that concept into to written word really well is Henry Henri Nouwen Henry Nouwen he wrote a book called The Wounded Healer it's a beautiful concept I was just thinking that it's actually something that I've used in advice to my single girlfriend because um I married a divorced man, and I always strongly suggest divorced men to my single girlfriends because they're always looking for the perfect man who doesn't have any blemishes on his history. And I'm always saying, like, no, 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 way better to pick someone who has a bunch of blemishes that they've had to deal with. And that they've been humbled and that they've been brought to their knees. And because then when the first difficulty comes up in your marriage, you're working with somebody who's already been through these difficulties. Right. You know, who's already been humbled, who's already had their ego smashed by disappointing those around them, you know, because we're all going to have that experience. But to marry like the young blonde, perfect, like, boy next door who has never had the experience of being embarrassed in front of others. Or ever to apologize or confess sin. Yeah. One of the questions that I deal with in premarital counseling is now that you've told me all the wonderful things about your partner that makes you attracted to them, Tell me the things that really tick you off about them. You yeah. Know, tell me the things that aren't perfect about them. What yeah. keeps them from being perfect? Because if you think you have someone perfect, then you're gonna. That's gonna get shattered at some point. You know. Um, exactly. So better to know what you have. Almost like puzzle pieces that are jagged and 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 rounded and really odd shaped at times but they fit together just right yeah and i mean in a way it it, it actually makes if we're looking at martin luther king not as an idol but if we're looking at him as a peer right. it actually makes him much more admirable in my eyes right that he was willing, despite his flaws, obviously some difficulties with lust, right? Right. Or need for some kind of affection. Right. Um, or just... Like, choosing a marriage, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, there are obviously weaknesses there that he was clearly aware of. Right. Right. But his willingness to accept what he felt was the call from God before he had come to the place of perfection. Right. 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 And I yeah. think that sometimes that's my hesitancy. Even if people ask me to sing, and I don't even want to sing because I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. Right. Is that not like a huge disservice to people and to God? And and that's, to me, what we do to God, is God calls us to do things, but we say, well, I'm not good enough to do that. Yeah. Um, or I don't know how to do that. Or I messed up the last time I tried to do that. Yeah. You know? And so even though we're called and we, you know, you know those moments in your life when you know you're supposed to do this next thing. Yeah. But we talk ourselves out of it because we're not the best person that we can think of to do that job, you know? Yeah. But isn't that what Moses said to God at yeah. the burning bush? Mm-hmm. You know, he kept coming up with excuses of why he was not the right person for the job. Mm-hmm. And God's answer was always, I'll be with you. I'll help you with that. I'll bring your brother along. He's good at that. Yeah. And what would happen in our lives if we started just saying yes to those notions that we know we're supposed to do next rather than giving him a list of all our flaws? My first church, I... I was in my first semester of seminary when I actually applied for a church pastorate, um, which is ridiculous, and we'll tell you that story someday. But I'm meeting with the pulpit committee, and and I, I met with them. They were either smart enough because they were listening to God or dumb enough because they were willing to call this young you know, flawed pastor, they called me for a second interview. And they had had a meeting in between to make that decision, which one of my, one of the people who were going to become my, one of my best friends missed that meeting. And so he showed up at, at this second meeting of, with me for them to really interview me and make a decision to maybe call me as their pastor. And he told me a couple years later that he came to the meeting and he said, so who are we interviewing again today? And they said, that that Bob Hollis kid is what they said. And he (laughs) said, I don't even have his resume because I threw it away. Because we said we didn't want any more young kids. He he said he threw my resume away. And so I said, thank you so much for telling me that. Because now I know there's a very thin line between the bottom of the trash can and the top of the pulpit. Mm. And I never entered the pulpit of that church without thinking that I really was at the bottom of the trash can at one point. 
Mm. Um, but that God had a plan and wanted to use me in that pulpit. Yeah. So I always entered that pulpit knowing that there was an anointing there for me um, because God wanted me there. And I think that happens or could happen in in our lives on a daily basis. Yeah. If we would just think, I think it was Ruth that that was told, who's to say that you weren't made for just this moment, mm. in just this time, in just this place? And how would our life be different if we approached things as if we were meant to be there? Yeah. It seems like opposite, that we are deeply, deeply flawed people but that God will use us anyway. Yeah. And and as a matter of fact, I almost want to get rid of the word anyway, that we mm. are deeply flawed people and God will use us. Not anyway, not because he has no choice, but somehow mm-hmm. it's part of God's design. It's part of God's design that we flawed people can get together and like Martin Luther King tried to share a dream so that people, so that nations would respond to that. That we're deeply flawed people that God will use to do great things. So what great things are you called to? What are your dreams? What are... What are the things you know you're supposed to be about? And what keeps you from doing them? And what does God have available to you so that you can overcome and work through your flaws? So I'm thinking we're kind of at the end of this session. And Amy will come on and tell you all how uh, we want you to be a part of this and and ways that you could contribute to the content of this podcast. listening to our very first episode of Big Fish Little Pod. (laughs) We are so excited about this podcast and the community we are hoping to form around it. We really want you to reach out and share your responses and reflections. Like I said in the beginning, for dad, this is really a give and take. He doesn't want this to be just about him. So right now we have three main ways for you to reach out to us. You can either comment right on the podcast post on Facebook, which will be posted weekly on my dad's Bob Hollis Facebook page. You can private message him through that same Facebook page, or you can email us at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. And just be sure that you get pod in there, not pond. Get it? It's like a little joke. Bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. We will be releasing a new episode each week and are already booking guests, so please reach out and let us know what unique thing you have to add to this community. 
thank you again for your support and for being so patient with us as we navigate this new platform. Bye. Thank you.